0: Real Life. Real Life. Real Life. Real Life. Real Life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real
1: Life Christian Church.
0: Real Life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real Life Messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. We want to go to a major, major chapter, not just in John, but in the whole Bible. We want to look at John chapter 10. Jesus made seven very significant I am statements in John's gospel, and we have two of them in John chapter 10. It will bless you if you have your Bibles. In verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. He wasn't a literal gate, but he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me, meaning heaven, I am the gate. Whoever enters the sheepfold or the sheep's pasture, which is heaven, whoever enters through me will be saved. Now catch this. Jesus just said, believing in me, I'm the gate, is the only right way to heaven. And all other religions are false. And you know that is so politically incorrect. And so for him to say, I'm the only way, I'm the gate, he either has to be very arrogant or he has to be God. In John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd, and that's what this message is about. This is the good shepherd chapter, and we're going to look at that in detail. But let's look at some of these other I am statements. In John chapter 6, here's Jesus' claim. He says in John chapter 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He says, you're going to be yearning, you're going to be hungry, you're going to be unfulfilled all your life unless I fill you. That's quite a statement. Only God could make a statement like that. John eight verse twelve. I am the light of the world. Without me, you're walking in darkness. I mean, you tell me I am the light of the world. I'm going to say that's sheer arrogance. Or else you're really God. John eleven twenty five. Get this one. Jesus says at Lazarus' death another I am statement. I am. He says the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Man, did Jesus just walk out in a limb? Only God could make a statement like that. I'm looking at John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. I love this because apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, I'm the vine i the sap, the life, he says, the sap, the life runs through me, and you're only a branch. He says, you draw your life, your strength, your everything from me, and without me, you're nothing. That's either an audacious claim, or he is really and truly God. I went back to one of the major creeds of the Christian church, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed reads like this. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God, a very God, begotten of being of once begotten not made, being of one substance with his Father, by whom all things were made. God of God, light of light, very God of very God. Listen, folks, don't you ever don't you ever capitulate to this and say he's just a man or a prophet like Muhammad or something less than who he is. He is very God, a very God. So let's look at John 10, 14, or 10, 1 to 4, I'm sorry. The Lord says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheepfold or the sheep pen by the gate, remember he's the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the watchman of the gate opens up uh, the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and this is precious. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And see, we're the sheep. And the word of God just says, He knows their name, they know his voice. He leads, and they follow. He is the good shepherd, and if there is a good shepherd, that means there's bad shepherds. And for that, you've got to go back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. So I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 34 about the bad shepherds, the leaders of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel. This is Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You only take care of yourself. You should be taking care of the flock. You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. You haven't strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You haven't brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. Then you jump to verse 11 of Ezekiel 34. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep. So you guys aren't doing it. I'm going to do it myself. And I'll look after them. Verse 12, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will, I will look after my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And that clearly points to the good shepherd in John chapter 10, who cares about the sheep as opposed to these bad shepherds. So John 10 is all about Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. The sheep shepherd thing is a great analogy because sheep need constant attention. And we are the sheep. So I ask myself, what was so bad about these bad shepherds? Of course, they did not care about the sheep. Again, verse 2 of Ezekiel 34. Say to the shepherds of Israel, who care only about themselves, shouldn't they care about the flock? And then I jump down to verse 5. Verse 5 says, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd who cared about them. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. I mean, the wild animals are all the false prophets, all the false lies out there. And these false shepherds fed the people the lie of religion. See, Satan is primarily a liar. John 8, 44, Jesus calls him the father of liars. Satan is a counterfeiter. Satan takes God's very best and makes a counterfeit to deceive you. He makes a counterfeit like religion. Through these bad shepherds, Satan fed the sheep the lie of religion. You guys keep all the religious laws, walk the straight path, and that's how you're saved. See, and and that's pure legalism. There's no hope, there was no love. Just keep all these laws, walk the straight line, and if you're lucky, you're going to go to heaven. God's in a good mood, see. See, the the religious leaders in Jesus' day were just like those guys in Ezekiel chapter 34. Listen to what Jesus said to the religious leaders in his day, and this is Matthew, Matthew 23, 4, he says, "...they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders..." but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them instead of lifting the burden of keeping all those laws. They just kept laying on more and more and more on these poor sheep, and the burden got heavier and heavier. That's why these people flocked to Jesus. And now you can understand Matthew 11:28 28, because Jesus said, come unto me all you guys that are burdened and weary and heavy laden and under this tremendous load of having to keep all these ridiculous laws. Come to me and I will give you rest. He said, my yoke is easy because I don't have 10,000 laws. I just have 10. And I give you the spirit and I enable you to keep those laws. And when you don't keep them, I present to you a God who will forgive you. And that was an attractive message. And that's a beautiful message. The burden of trying to be good enough to accomplish your salvation is off your back. How could I live without that? Anybody ever read Pilgrim's Progress? Classic Christian book by John, by John Bunyan. This guy Pilgrim is carrying this load on his back on the journey to Celestial City. And when he finally, he's just, he's just carrying this load. From place to place, he's carrying this awful load. And when he finally unloads that thing at the cross and gives it to Jesus. The burden is off. That's a book you can get for five bucks. Every Christian should read that. Pilgrim's Progress. But see, that's the devil's counterfeit. Religion, keeping all these laws instead of a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You try and tell someone who goes to church every Sunday or they go to mass, you try and tell them, They've been baptized, they've been confirmed. I mean, the whole religious package. You try and tell these people they're not saved and they're gonna rebel against that. Can you know this, folks? I mean, anything you trust, but the perfect work of Jesus Christ, anything you trust, if you trust anything else but the perfect work of Jesus Christ, you are never gonna see the glorious light of heaven. And when you quit trying to be good enough, and earn your way to heaven, and like pilgrim, unload that burden of your sin at the cross, you're going to be in bondage. And when you finally get rid of that load, man, you're not, and you don't trust religion, I mean, I'll tell you what, folks, then you're going to be like pilgrim. You're not in bondage anymore. You're free from wondering and worrying about what's going to happen when you die, man. You're free from that. You're free from yourself. You're free from everything revolving around you. I mean, you're out from under that awful burden of sin. It's not yours. It's his. And you can have real joy in life. So if you're trusting your religion, if you're trusting the fact that you're very religiously active, you've got to really look inside you and see, are you trusting Jesus Christ? Or are you trusting your religious activity because that's trusting your own righteousness and you've been hoodwinked and you've been deceived and you bought a counterfeit instead of the real deal. And you won't know what you're missing until you really know Jesus Christ and the full life he wants to give you. So Jesus in John, here's the main deal in John chapter 10 for our faith and life. This is the main deal. In John chapter 10, verse three, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls, this is, this is the good, this is, it's all good, but this is the best part. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls them all by name. See, I call this message, he is personal. This is precious, folks. He knows every sheep personally by name. Listen, I need to talk about Satan one more time. Then I got to tell you, I hate, I talked about how Satan is a counterfeiter and he puts up religion instead of a love relationship with Jesus Christ to suck you into his hell. Now, you know, i got to tell you, I really hate to talk about Satan. I do, because he loves it. He, you know, Satan loves it when preachers talk about him. Yeah, I mean, even if you're saying bad stuff about him, he loves it because you're not talking about Christ. Anytime I watch a TV preacher and, you know, they go on and on and on and on and on and on on about Satan. And Satan's responsible for this. Satan's responsible for that man. I just want to tell those guys, start talking about Jesus and quit talking about Satan and turn those guys off. Okay, anyway. Here's another lie of Satan. You look at the human body. And I say to myself, You know, I say with David in Psalm 139, 14, I say, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and and that my soul knows right well. But when you look at the body, how can anybody believe evolution? How can any? how can you look at this human body and believe in evolution? Now, here's where Satan comes in. He's really cunning, because more and more people are disavowing evolution. Now, they won't tell you that in the schools and on college campuses, but there's significant literature to tell you that more and more people are using their brain and they're looking at the design in nature and they're saying this just did not happen. There had to be an uncaused cause. There has to be a divine creator behind creation, okay? And Satan is saying he knows that and he knows that the lie of evolution is diminishing and this is how cunning Satan is. He came up with another lie to replace the lie of evolution. And lots of folks are believing this lie. Satan is saying, okay, God made the creation, but then he took off and he doesn't care. He left you with a bunch of mechanistic laws, and then he split He took off. He doesn't care. You're on your own in a cold mechanistic universe. In John 10 stands, in total contrast to that, man, you got to get a hold of this. The Good Shepherd knows your name. John 10, 3, he knows you by name. He knows everything about you. This amazes me about God. He hears and answers every prayer of every believer. But he's able to isolate you, your prayer, and your issue as if you were the only person alive. Now, God is able to do this. All the prayers he has to deal with. I mean, only God can do this. But he's able to isolate your prayer, your thing, your issue, what's going on in your life, as if, he, as if you were the only person in the world he had to deal with. And you've got to believe that. He is that personal. Here's what, he, here's what the good shepherd knows. He knows your name. John 10, 3. He calls his own sheep by name. The good shepherd does that. You know what else the good shepherd knows? He knows your fears. He knows all your fears. Here's how God knows you. Luke chapter 7. Jesus takes his disciples off the main road to this little hidden village of Nain. N-A-I-N. Because he knew Luke chapter 7, he knew there was a woman there in this little village of Nain. He knew there was a lady who had just lost her husband. And just immediately thereafter, she lost her son. And here is a wonderful verse in Luke chapter 7, verse 13. I mean, he's on a main road. He's gone from one main place to another main place. He says, guys, we're going to take a little diversion, and we're going to go go, go down this path, and we're going to go to the little village of Nain, because there's a lady there that he knew about who was hurting so bad, and he said, in verse 13, in the NIV, oh, this is so good. Man, you may want to to mark this. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. That's God talking. He knew she was in that little out-of-the-way village of Nain that hardly anybody knew about, and he knew she was there. And his heart went out there. I'll even give you one better. That's a great passage. That if you look at Psalm 34, verse 18, man, you want to memorize this too. Verse 18: the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's not your memory passage for today, but man, you want to memorize that and take it with you. Psalm 134, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God wrote that. He wrote that for you and me. Close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, our God, who has perfect love and power, knows you and cares about you. What else does he know? Psalm 139, verse 18. He knows when you rise up and when you sit down. That's the God we serve and worship. You know, and we need to call out, Oh my God, please help your child. My God, my God, my God, my God. He is so personal. You need to call out, Oh my God. This is what I'm going through right now. Please help me. Jesus cried that out. He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He never let go of that truth. The God we serve is so personal. and Satan hates that truth. He likes you to believe we live in a cold, mechanistic world that God doesn't care. And maybe you're like me, because I revert. Some, you know, I fall into that. I fall into that trap. I revert to my pity parties. Oh, poor me, pity parties. The devil dangles that carrot of oh, poor me. You know what you do when you're in one of those moods, or you just sink back into self-pity. I'm all alone in this. Nobody notices me. I do all the giving. Who cares about me? I have to care about everybody else, but nobody cares about me. And even God doesn't care about me. Oh, poor me. Three steps to get out of that. Three steps to get out of that. Number one, that's a sin confess that sin. It is so contrary to the word of God. You confess that sin and say, Father, forgive me for this self-pity, and I come to you through Jesus' blood who covers me. That's the first thing you do. The second thing you do is you understand that what you feel isn't what God's word says. And you go back to what you really know. You know, you don't base, you don't base what, what's going on in your life and your feelings. You base it on truth. And you go back to Psalm 34, verse 18, where it says, and this is truth. See, the lie is how you feel. Feelings are lies. The truth is right here. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Anybody ever brokenhearted? He saves those who are crushed in spirit. So you go back to the truth. Now, here's the third thing you do. You think of some time in your life, when you're in this self-pity, you think of some time in your life where nobody could have known what was going on. Nobody. Nobody could have known what was going on in your heart and your life. But God did. He knew, and he gave you just what you needed at the moment. And you have all, every one of you guys, has had an experience with God like that. So if you want to get out of that mire of self-pity, number one, man, you confess that before God and claim the blood of Christ. Number two, you start looking at the truth of God's word. Number three, you think of all those times that God was so personal. John chapter 10, verses four and five. When he has brought out all his own, he leads them. He goes out ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice And he calls them by name. And so why do the sheep follow Jesus Christ? Because they know he cares, and that's important. They follow because they know this guy really cares. He is the good shepherd. And if you're a leader of people in any way, you have to know the people you lead, and you have to care about the people. You ask them, are you a leader in any way? Yeah, I mean, you ask these people. About their lives. You don't talk about their jobs. I mean, you stop and You stop and say, how's this going? How's this going in your life? See, nothing to do with the job. And you remember what's going on in their lives. And you talk to them about it. And you know what I do? In certain, I, I, have, I have a notepad I keep. And when somebody tells me something going on in their life, I go write it down that notepad so I can take that thing home and I can pray about that thing. And I, I almost study that stuff to try and remember what's going on in your life so I can pray about that and next time I see you. I can ask you how it's going. You've got to do stuff like that if you're a leader. And that's not just leadership. I mean, that's from your heart. That's biblical and that's godly. And sometimes you can't know everybody, but when people want to talk, you've got to give them the dignity they need and listen to them and let them know you care. You follow Jesus because he cares. People follow people because they care, see. And our Lord cared to the point of carrying his cross after having his back lacerated. He struggles up the place of the skull. There he dies. You place him in a nearby tomb. Three days later, the tomb is empty. That's why you follow Jesus. He knows you. He loves you. He surrendered his all for you. And that means every when you follow him, every time you have the choice to sin, that is to follow or not to follow Jesus, you take it right back to the cross. And you think to yourself, how can I not obey him? How can I not, after what he did for me? I mean, you, you're confronted with this choice, man. Folks, let the cross come into your heart, let it come into your mind, and you, and you say, How can, look, look what he did for me. He gave me everything in my life that's worthwhile. that's worthwhile. How can I not obey him? And see, then, then your obedience becomes a love motivated deal and not a fear thing and not a duty thing. Listen, I pray that his love and his cross and his empty tomb will be the driving force in you to follow him at all costs. I pray that you think like this. I love him so much. How can I not follow him? Listen, next time you're confronted with that, that, to sin or not to sin, you say, I love him so much. How can I not follow him? How can I disobey him? How can I go down the wrong path? This is um, John 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Now listen to this and I give them eternal life, and they shall never, ever perish. Now listen, nobody can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. He's greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. He's holding you in His hand. The Father's holding you in His hand, and nobody can ever take you out of their hand. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I know some of you folks have been growing up in a church background that teaches you you can lose your salvation, that the Lord will release his grip on you and let you go because you have a free will. See, you can't read a passage like that and believe that. God sovereignly chose you. Sovereign means this. What he wills happens. If our free will could ever overrule the sovereign choice of God, then there's no Bible, there's no church, there's no faith that would make God a subordinate being, subordinate to your free will. You know, God does not say, well, listen, I can forgive a few small sins, but man, did you cross the line? That one was bad. I'm sure letting go of you. Every night... I just find a place to get on my knees, and I look back over the day for a few minutes, and I just thank God for being so faithful to me. I think of the sins I can remember. If I had to go to bed worrying, am I still saved? That would be a taste of hell on earth. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.